So mm. I think, um, Reese, what did you say, bud? Your butt's itchy? Okay. That guy. Bare hand wipe my butt. I'll come wipe your butt in a little bit, okay? Will you close the door? We got two five minutes, okay? And then we're going to go to special dinner. Two five minutes is just like an obscure period of time. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> we started, Ford started saying, two five minutes? And I go, yep. yeah, two five minutes, yeah. What is an NFL quarterback room like? So two years ago, I trained Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. That was my draft class. I think that this league is filled with opportunities, and the guys that, that stay in the league for a long time are the guys that take advantage of those opportunities. I'm just a big believer in repetition. I'm a big routine guy, and goals never end. I'm just a big, 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 I'm a big routine guy, and once I stepped on that field today, I was good, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Room. This is one. This is episode 10. Double digits. We're off and running. Uh, but this is The Room, and this is really the quarterback room. This is the cool kids table. This is uh, the most important position in sports. Uh, I'm a former NFL quarterback. My name is Jordan Palmer. Uh, played on a bunch of teams. I trained a lot of the best young quarterbacks in the world, high school, college, and some of the best players in the league right now. Kyle Allen, current number two quarterback for the Houston Texans. Uh, on his fifth year in the league. And we're bringing in some of the biggest names in college football at the quarterback position. I'm sorry, college football and NFL uh, at the quarterback position every single week. Uh, but we're not talking I'm just about the matchup. We're diving deeper. This is literally what you sit around in a quarterback room and talk about. Uh, today, some of the things we're going to hit, not just Russell Wilson, what's happening in Denver, but what, is it, what does it really take to dive into a new team, come in, build a culture, build a leadership structure, build an org chart in terms of how communication is going to be handled and all that. Some guys, some guys are doing it really well. Some teams are struggling to build that. Uh, and then we're going to get into an interview today. Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA, currently ranked number nine and undefeated, taking on Bo Nix at Oregon, uh, currently ranked number 10 at five and one. Uh, we got both quarterbacks. Uh, seen stuff on Twitter, on social media. I don't know if anybody's ever done this before. We have both quarterbacks from a top 10 college football matchup um, in the same show separate interviews doing it together so a bunch of stuff to dive into i'm fired up to get going kyle yeah jordan i'm excited to dive into all this i think there's a lot of stuff going on in the nfl with russell and the whole broncos situation i think a lot of people see it on the surface level of what's going on in the organization what's going on with the guys on the field but it's really you've, you've seen a little bit of it the team that russell builds around him and who he is off the field kind of can have a huge effect to who he is on the field and we're going to dive more into that but he built a a team around him differently than a lot of people I've seen. And there's a, a bunch of different ways you can go about it. So we'll get into that. The interview with Bo and DTR, I think that's going to be awesome. You know, we've had this concept in mind for a while now, trying to get two guys from one matchup in on the same episode. It's tough to do, but what a great week to have it. UCLA, top 10. Oregon, top 10. Both guys balling out. I think Oregon's won six in a row. UCLA's undefeated. Two great guys. Two guys that have been around forever, it feels like. Like we had Sean on last week who's been around forever. There's so many vets in, in college football right now. Um, and then we're going to dive into a lot more college football. This is my bye week, so I had a ton of time to watch college football. So you don't need to teach me up this much this week, Jordan. I'll watch a little bit. So, all right. First topic on Coach's script, opening drive. You know, a lot's been said about Russell Wilson lately. It's kind of 
probably the main figure in media this year in the NFL. Um, but I kind of want to take a different angle at this with Russell Wilson. You know, we, we talk a lot about setting yourself up for success in this league quarterback. And first thing that you need to do to set yourself up, and as a top player in the league, it doesn't have to be quarterback, really anybody, you have to build a, a team around you. And the team is a ton of people. It's your financial manager, some people, their assistant, their manager, you know, your physical therapist, your trainer, um, maybe a chef. Like there's so many people that can be in your inner circle and in your inner team that just help you make everything efficient and make focus on football. But when I think about team and setting that stuff around yourself, there's no more person in the NFL that screams team than Russell Wilson. You know, he has his production company. He has um, a huge facility that he built with his trainer out in San Diego. I think he's got one in Cabo too. He had um, a mental coach that recently passed away, Trevor Moad, which we'll get into too, who you and me both know. You look at his team. What kind of stands out to you about his team that's different than a lot of people's? Well, I, I think you know TV twelve comes to mind, right? Alex Guerrero. I mean, he's got to be the most famous trainer in the world, and so Tom's had this amazing team, and he's done all these things, but he doesn't really broadcast it the way that Russell does. I mean, Russell posts a lot of stuff. I mean, like you said, down in Rancho Santa Fe in San Diego. I mean, he's got like a compound. He's got a fifty yard field. Um, I've heard rumors of how much money he's invested into his team each year. And it's, you know, not my opinion, not my, my, my place to say, but it's way bigger than what a fan would expect. I mean, this guy's really doubled down and invested on his body, on his nutrition, on his recovery, on his HRV, on his sleep. Um, and the mental approach to the game, he's probably invested more time, effort, energy, and money into his mental approach. No way I can score it, but I know enough of the other guys to know, like, it might be five to one what he's invested in that side of his game. And what has he gotten in exchange for it? A lot of wins. He's a third round pick quarterback who's through eight games has won more games than anybody in the NFL. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one of them. He was freaking 45 inches away from winning another one. Um, he's made hundreds of millions of dollars. But he's also been through a lot. He's lost his father. He's gone through a divorce. He's gotten remarried to a super famous like icon type person. He's got a kids like and multiple businesses. I don't think this guy does stuff for a hundred grand. I think this guy mm -hmm. does this stuff for equity or he says, screw it. I'll start it myself. So I think he's the, he's the example of superstar franchise quarterback builds team around him. Right. I think everybody has a financial advisor. Right. I had a financial advisor when I was making less than league minimum. You know what I mean? Like everyone has a financial advisor. Everybody's got an agent. Everybody's got a marketing person. Now, you and I's marketing person like is a different capacity than Patrick Mahomes' marketing person who's very busy and has a lot of deal flow. But like, but you know what I mean? Like Russell's like the example of like building that team and building that infrastructure. And that's never been more needed than this year because when you go from Seattle and just leaving Seattle going to Denver, right? He's, he had a the whole time in Seattle, he had the same head coach. He had the same general manager. He had the same owner. I know Paul Allen passed away, but like had the same owner, owner, uh, ownership group, same family, the Allen family. Mm -hmm. um, it goes to Denver. This is something we've never seen before. This is new coach, new quarterback, new GM, and new owner. Poof, all at the same time. This is the cleanest slate we've ever seen in the NFL. And then when you bring him in and you pay him 240 plus million bucks, you're basically saying like solve all the problems, right? Like don't just throw touchdowns, like be the face of the program and 
to solve these issues and bring these young guys along and how do we, should we build this and how should we build that? And so you're bringing this person to solve problems. And so I just think that team that he's built is like never been leaned upon as much. Yeah. Let's break down like two of what I think is the most important parts of his team. Not really, maybe not important, but two of the most interesting parts of his team in my mind. The first one is the media marketing side of his team. You've told me before, I think we've seen this. He has his own production agency, right? What's it called? Yeah, I think it's East West, West to East, but he's got his own production company because it makes sense, right? Like, I'm just going to make up numbers, right? Like, so let's say a famous athlete has production shoot for Gillette, okay? And it's a $300,000 production budget outside of what they're going to pay the athlete for their the ta paying talent. They have 300 grand to shoot this thing, produce it, edit it, cut it, post it, all that stuff, right? Well, you got to pay a site feed where you're shooting it. You got to pay shooters. You got to pay gaffers, lighters, location, all those things. So if you own a production company that of that 300 grand, instead of like giving it to a random company, they're making money off of shooting a commercial of you. You start your own production company and then like poof, like that money, that revenue is now coming into a business that you're an owner in. So to be honest, if I was a superstar franchise quarterback right now, I would have my own production company too. I just would. Right. I, I mean, I kind of do. Anytime I do a shoot, I try and have my team shoot it, right? So like, that's yeah. not a new concept. Athletes First, one of the agencies, they have their own production company in-house called Go right. Farm. Like, th this is a, a great concept. It's new. But like, the Subway commercial, which has been... Right. So you're saying basically his production company is shooting those... Like, that's not Subway shooting that commercial. His production company is coming up with, with those commercials. He's coming up with the script, coming up with everything, and they're shooting them. I mean, I, I don't know that for sure. I, I don't see how they wouldn't, right? Like I, you got a big brand like Subway who has nothing but giant famous people in every single commercial. And sometimes they have multiple famous, giant famous expensive people in the same commercial, right? You got Charles Barkley, you got Russell Wilson, Tom Brady in the same commercial. Well, Trevor Lawrence. they didn't do that for $500. So like, yeah, my assumption when I watched that cr super cringy Subway video that like he posted and then took down. Right. I don't know. I went on his Instagram the other day. I wasn't there. Like my assumption is that his team wrote that, shot that, edited that and posted and got it approved by the brand and then posted that. So for him to get that kind of a backlash, that's not this situation where like, well, I had to read this line and the brand paid me to do it and I'm getting paid to do it. So I had to read it. Like Russell takes ownership of every phase of his life. Mm -hmm. I would assume that like, nah, actually like might've been creative director on that which kind of makes it, it worse. Kind of, it kind of goes into um, what we've seen in his post-game press conferences too with the let's ride. I he did a great job on capitalizing in one of the few Russell Wilson moments off the field where you've been like, okay, this guy like kind of gets it. Like he had a weird video come out during media days during OTAs and he owned it and he turned it into something and we went and played in Denver this year it's let's ride everywhere. It's let's ride on the outside of the stadium. It's on the flags when they score touchdowns. It's fucking on the cheerleaders. Like it's everywhere, but it's kind of like, it seems like a planned thing from him. And it seems like a, a marketing team where he said it after a press conference the other week, right? They lost the game, tough loss late in the game against the Colts, I think. And he gets off and it's almost like he had it planned where he was walking away and he goes, yeah, yeah thank you. Broncos country. Let's ride. You know, it's like it's ingrained in his. So it's just like, it's just weird. Does he think it's like a move by his marketing company to push that? No, I think that he's just like a, I don't want to say master marketer because master marketer would insinuate that all of them work. 
but like this is this is the debate right like it was hard for me to watch that entire commercial and then when i watched it multiple times then when i saw on social media all the people like make their own little cut up cuts of it there was some really adam ray remember the comedian who came out and threw with us one day adam ray had one of the best ones dude it's so funny watch adam ray comedy i think his instagram he had a great one but like that's real cringeworthy but at the same time that was real viral that was works if, if you're subway you're like great nice All work the- you're the best let's do another one you know what i mean <laughs> so it's like how are we scoring it <laughs> who's scoring it are you you feeling dangerous here or anything dangerous before Ooh, that is spicy so oh. I, like you know if you're rushed and you have to take it down to get backlash that's a negative thing but if you're subway it's like i don't know everybody's talking about this commercial we only paid this much for it and we're getting this Bro. type of cpms and impressions on it so it's like I, and so that his post-game press conference him saying let's ride that kind of takes me into another mindset a different part of his team um, his mental coach, who was Trevor Moed, who has recently passed, someone that you were very close with, someone who I worked with a decent amount and knew, and knew pretty well. And I know it's someone that Russell has put a lot of time in, who, who talks about it a lot, how important he is to his life and how it's kind of like the let's ride thing ingrained in his brain, right? Russell is a creature of habit. You see him when he runs out of the locker room. He's high-fiving people. He's acting like he's in the game. The, the year he got injured, I think that was last year, he did the fake two-minute drill on the field. You know, a lot of people said that was for show and that he saw the sky cam right above him and so he was going to do it. But that's just really who he is, right? Like, he is a creature of habit through and through. He is a how you do small things is how you do all things to a fucking T. And I know there's a lot of guys out there that kind of say it, but he lives it. Talking to Trevor, another part of his team who some guys have, some guys don't have, how important was Trevor Moat as mental coach to his team? So Trevor and Russ met at IMG Academy when Russ came out and did draft training. And, you know, again, he was a third round pick and, but wasn't like a third round pick going into it. You know what I mean? Like he just crushed the process and Pete Carroll wanted an ultimate competitor and he drafted him and got him. Um, But they started working together then. And, and, you know, you don't never know how much time guys spend with certain people. But if, if somebody were to tell me definitively as a fact, there's another quarterback who spent more time, effort, energy, resources, and money on the mental side of their game. I'd be, I would call bullshit. But there's nobody who has approached the mental side of the game. I'm not talking X's and O's. Like nobody has come close. Even if you say Russell, like Tom Brady in 20 plus years in the NFL has done more like aggregate, like some of two, I would still say no, because Russell's taken such a, an aggressive approach at understanding that. And so Trevor was one of my close, like one of my best friends, like he passed away last year and, and one of Russ's best friends too. So like some commonality here. Uh, the last time I saw Russ was at the funeral. Um, and, but what, what, what Trevor did is he pioneered this idea of neutral thinking. Okay. So his first book's called, it takes what it takes. His second book's called, I got it right here. It's called getting to neutral. Okay. Russ wrote the foreword on the first book. Right. They had a business together. I think it was Limitless Minds. And they spoke to companies and private equity firms and all that stuff. And it was about neutral thinking. So positive thinking is convincing yourself that everything's fine. And negative thinking is negative thinking, right? Oh, this is the worst. It's raining again. Oh, we lost our receiver. Oh, my coach has no idea what he's talking about. We know negative thinking works 100% of the time negatively. Trevor had pioneered the concept of neutral thinking, which is really in the middle. It's grounded in fact. And it is what it is. It takes what it takes. Now, it's easy for me to say that really quick, but Russell had gotten to a such an elite level of neutral thinking. There was a video that Trevor had, um, and I, I showed guys, I think I showed you, 
And the AFC, the NFC Championship game, uh, Green Bay at Seattle, and Russell had thrown four picks in the first half. Mm-hmm. And they're down 11. And I don't think at that point in Russell's career, he'd ever thrown four picks in a game. I don't think, if I remember this correctly, I don't think he'd ever thrown three picks in a game. And he threw four in the first half, and he's got Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the, on the, other side of the field. And they come back and have a historic win and get to the Super Bowl. Right. And after he's getting interviews, crying, Aaron Andrews is interviewing him, all that stuff. A lot of people remember that. But there's a mic'd up video of Russell mic'd up in the second half. And he never at any point says, My bad fellas, I'll turn it around. He never at any point says, Hey, we just got to do this. And like, Hey, I'm not going to turn it over again. And I got you. And I he never says any of that. He just keeps clapping. And you see him walking up, people going, Two score game. Two score game, baby. Two score game. His ability to think neutrally because he had thrown four picks. He had set himself up for failure. He was going to cost himself a chance to go to the Super Bowl. He was going to get booed out of town. All the negative things that could have come from that. Or all the excuses he could have created for why he threw four picks. Maybe one was a tick pick. Maybe one guy ran the wrong route. What he was incapable of doing was thinking about any of those things. The only thing he could focus on was the fact that it was a two-score game. If we score a touchdown, it is a one-score game. I think the important thing you said there is that he was incapable of doing it. He had like, built him and Trevor had built Russell's mindset to a place where I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Built it to a place where he was incapable of factoring in elements and emotions, and all he could see was neutrally what was in front of me, and what he saw was two score game. He didn't. I don't think that he saw this is the most humiliating day of my life on the biggest stage I've ever been on. I think he saw a two score game. And that's worth 40 million bucks if you can get it, right? Like, wouldn't pick a number. It's literally worth the Super Bowl. It's literally like you can say anything. He won that year. Which he won. You can can say it's about the X's and O's. You can say it's about reads. But in a game where you throw four picks in the NFC Championship game against Aaron Rodgers, and I think it was his first NFC Championship game. There's nothing else that brings you out of that game except for your mental state. And when you say he was incapable of thinking any other way, if, you, if you've if you ever been around Russ, if you've ever been around Trevor, you know that he believes that to death. And it's who he is through and through. And to get yourself in a mental standpoint like that, there's ton, like everyone feels these emotions and anxiety and these different thoughts that go through your head. And when you're in pressure situations, different things go through your mind. And you really have to train yourself to think one certain way regardless. And I don't know if I've ever been around anybody that has trained themselves so hard that they, they're literally incapable. Incapable is the perfect word. You, he can't think, even if he wanted to, he can't think another way. And that's so. why this is a discussion because this is the first time I've started to see it creep in. And I, I among a lot of things that I felt and thought about when Trevor moved on, um, was, man, this is a brand new situation. This is more power than Russell's ever had. This is like a bigger platform than he's ever had. This is more eyeballs than he's ever had. This is the newest, most, un, you know, more things outside of your control and new situation than he's ever had. And it's his first year in, as a professional athlete doing it without Trevor. And so I, I, I've seen a couple of plays where I go, ooh, seen some games where it didn't start hot and then got worse. And um, it, it's something that I'm paying attention to. And everybody's talking about Russ and the commercials and all this stuff. But the reality is, is like when we get back to the original concept t- topic here of building your team, I think Russell had arguably the best team around him. A guy we haven't yep. mentioned, Jake Heaps, played with him, good yep. friend of ours, 
fantastic. I don't know all the stuff Jake does for him, but I know he's incredibly helpful. One of the better football minds I've been around. And it's like, ooh, that Trevor piece, that's a major, that's a major piece at a time when you need it. And I, I because I've spent so much time with Trevor, I train quarterbacks to think neutrally. Trevor's mission statement in life was to help athletes create neutral behaviors for them to lead to the outcome they desire. I've kind of adopted that myself. Um, and I, I just see some, some, um, I see a drift away from neutral thinking. Um, and the noise is getting louder and the chaos is getting crazier in Denver. And, um, I see elements of Russell's game that could turn this thing around. And I see things where I go, this might be uncharted, uncharted waters for him. Yeah. I think you and me both agree on the point that probably the thing that's hurting him the most right now is Trevor not being there. I think when you're at this stage in your career and, and being a quarterback in the NFL, your mental state going into the game, you could know everything. You could have the game plan down to a T. You can understand their coverages. You can know when their blitzes are coming, their protections, how to pick it up. If you're not in the mental, in the right mental frame, if you go out there and you're having distant thoughts and your mind's wandering and you're wondering what if, you're screwed. Mm. And for and for him in that point where he's he's ingrained himself and he's a guy. I don't know if you mentioned this, but he's a guy that Trevor used to meet with a couple times a week. So I think, like you said, I think the Broncos have the roster to turn it around. I think in the NFL, which is great, which they don't have in colleges in the NFL, you can start off like shit and you can come back and make the playoffs and win. You know, there's been a lot of six seeds that won the Super Bowl and there's been a lot of teams that started off two and five, two and six that have made it to the playoffs. So I think they can turn it around. Um, going back to teams, when you're building your team around you, we've played around a bunch of quarterbacks. Your career, you've played around way more than mine. Way a lot of interesting ones. I've I've had my fair share of interesting ones. My rookie year with Cam Newton was probably probably my funnest year of playing quarterback ever. I'm so happy that he was my starting quarterback my rookie year. That was fucking awesome. But when you think of the quarterbacks you've played with and the teams they've built around them, because you've been around them, being in that room, you're around their teams. Who comes to mind with the most interesting team? Not the wildest, just maybe the most interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I think of my brother. Um, he had a guy named Troll who was his, you know, strength training exercise. But like my brother was like 12 months a year. It was like he might have taken two months off of throwing, but he didn't take two months off a of quarterback. And who was the I, guy like his career that I met his his trainer where he was like Fish. really seriously? Yeah. Yeah. I, he's in, in Scottsdale where you live or where you, where you grew up. So, yeah, yeah uh, Brett Fisher of Fisher yeah. Sports Institute, um, like because he helped him with the second rehab and. So like from a medical, my brother always had, I think he averaged like 1.2 surgeries a year um, over the course of his career. And it might've been a little finger here, a little bit, whatever. It wasn't always an ACL, but um, just the medical aspect of it. My brother's wife was, you know, just the schedule, the coordinating, the food, the nutrition, the recovery. Like she played a major role in that. Um, and she was an athlete. She was, a, she was a D1 big time soccer player. So like just, I think there was just like, that was an interesting team. And I was kind of on the team too. Um, and had four kids and, you know, from playing with the Alex Smiths and the different guys and cam, like family ends up playing a major role in that. Yep. And, um, and so I, I don't have any like crazy ass stories, but like, I've just seen it done well. And, and you shouldn't cookie cutter someone else's thing, you know, like with, with Josh Allen, a mutual friend, like I would say the best part of his team is just this nucleus of people that he's like grown up with who like will speak truth into his life and care about him and support him in a way that like is really unique. I don't think it's me. I don't think it's a strength coach. I don't think it's a nutritionist. I think it's just this core group of people that are just such a like support system for him that 
he can overcome anything and confidence wise is through the roof. I don't think you can put nutritionist and Josh in the same. Yeah. Yeah. But it's probably accurate. Yeah. Yeah. When you're talking about your brother, I remember when I was in college, you were obviously just trying to help me grow my game, but also help me off the field, kind of see what it would be like to be in the NFL, see what's in front of me. You used to tell me that after the games, Carson would come home, you know, you'd have dinner. Like if you were there, you'd have dinner with you, you'd have dinner with his family, hang out, whatever. And then like an hour and a half later, he'd be in getting like a two and a half hour massage. He'd be already working. He'd be watching the film for the next week. Like when I heard it from you, your brother seemed like 24 hours football. That was him, like probably more than anyone else that I've been around. When I think of guys, teams that I've been around, obviously Cam Newton, which I referenced earlier, Cam, my, my rookie year. First of all, Cam just did everything different, but it was the most refreshing thing I've ever been around in football. I came off of two tough years at Houston where it was very like military mindset where you did what you're told. You were there at 6 a.m. doing match, like all the bullshit, you know, that comes with college football and some other programs. Cam made football fun again, which is off topic, but his team was just, it was, it was interesting. He had an assistant, right? When we talked about assistants earlier and some guys had an assistant, but his assistant was on call like 24 seven. Like if he needed anything like 3 a.m., his assistant was there. His assistant would be bringing in donuts to the whole facility on Friday. On Thursdays, we had uh, what we called fellowship in the quarterback room. Like talk about the quarterback room. We had fellowship on Thursdays after practice where his assistant would bring in this Mexican restaurant. He would probably bring in like $600 worth of Mexican food into the quarterback room. And it would be me, Cam. It was Taylor Heineke that year, Greg Olson, Christian McCaffrey, Luke Keekley, and our quarterback coach. And we would just sit in there and chop it up for an hour and a half. And his assistant would be in there hanging out. And he had so many guys on his team. You talk about family. His dad was a huge part of his team. His dad was always around doing stuff. And then Cam had his big seven-on-seven program. Think about what's important to guys. We talk about foundations. Cam, big thing is seven-on-seven. So he has his whole team built around that too. And then when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Alex Smith. When Alex Smith went through his leg injury, his doctor, I forgot her name. I should know her name because she was there with me. But his doctor who went through everything with him, if you watch his E60 on Alex, like she's in it a bunch. She became family. Like that's part of his team. Like people over the years just become family. And she played such an important role in his life and his recovery. And there's so many different instances in that. And that's just to go to say the team that quarterbacks, especially, but a lot of players build around them is so important in helping them succeed way more than you think. And what you see, the only thing you see is the product on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's really cool to see how different people build their teams. And it's like you said, it's it's different for everybody. And to put a bow on this, so, you know, I help guys transition from college to pro. And one of the things that commonality I've seen on high picks and guys who have a lot of success is they're people pleasers. And they don't like saying no to people. And they don't like cutting people out of the circle at a time in their life when a lot of people are trying to get into the circle. And so I would never tell somebody who they need to remove from their life. And you should totally do this. You should break up with her. You should get that guy out of your life. (laughs) Definitely not my place to say that. I've literally never done that before. But what I will say is like, give you the parameters for you to establish your team because keep that circle small, small and add to it. That is a much easier approach as you enter the NFL and become a franchise quarterback. Then let everybody in the circle in college and weed them out as you have more success. That is much more difficult to do. So a team's relevant, man, whoever it is, it might be your girlfriend, 
fiance or wife helping you with nutrition, or it might be a world-class nutritionist helping you with your nutrition who's on payroll. Either way, that box better get checked. So seen a lot of different ways to do it. There's certainly not one, um, but to, to tie this back, Russ has built one of the best teams, lost one of the major pillars, as did I in my team, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think we're seeing the ramifications of that. And we'll see if you can address it. And we'll continue to watch. Anybody who watched this and was like, man, this is interesting. Like, yeah, as you follow your favorite player now, yeah, see if you can find out about their team. If you love Patrick Mahomes, you should know who Bobby Stroop is. That guy and Jacqueline Dahl, they play major roles and mm -hmm. that dude's that dude's success and that dude's like and that dude's future sustained success it's like yep. yeah those people play people play a massive role he doesn't just pop up into commercials somebody created that concept and pitched it all right next segment before we get into the interviews with bo nix and dtr we got throw deeper check it down every week i'm impressed that we've done this every week we got some good ones this week uh new england patriots brendan schooler new patriots tv uh special teams guy as uh, we like to say in the scouting report, he's a white guy, so he's a high effort, high motor, first in the building, last out type of guy, that one of the guys. Um, there's a video of him going around from their game last week where they blew out the Browns, hell of a game, by the way, by Bailey Zappi, where he recovered like a muff punt or a fumble or something, and then he goes and keeps the ball, goes to the sideline, and tries to hand it to Bill Belichick on the sideline, like, here you go, coach, I, I got this for you. A hell of a move by a new guy. Are you throwing it deep or checking it down on this one? I'm throwing it deep for the Mission Viejo High School alumni, Brennan Schooler. This dude, I've been around this guy forever. He's been catching balls. Him and I think one or two of his brothers both played at Mission Viejo, which is my alma mater. Um, he's always been, he played wide, he played quarterback when he was young. Then he played wide out. Then he played safety. He went to Oregon. He's just one of those athletes. Look, they've had what? Is it Matt Slater? Is that the Patriots? Later. Yeah, Matt Slater, like, like that guy ain't playing forever. How do I insert myself into being this person here to start, right? Then you got guys like Julian Elman that started on special teams and grew into other roles. Um, he's a football player, and he's also just a wild man. So I think he was probably not presenting him a game ball, probably like presenting him like the head of, like, like I, I'm up on Game of Thrones. So like when Homeboy like just drags the torso out of the cave, like one of those types of moves, um, I'm throwing it deep. That dude is going to have a bunch of big hits, a bunch of recovered fumbles, a bunch of big plays over the course of his special teams career um, before he starts getting on the field with other positions. Oh, you just got to throw it deep, just strictly off the nuts of the guy, giving him the football out there. In the middle of the game, Bill Belichick is a rookie. Put him on the map. Got a lot of good pup from it. So um, I'm throwing it deep on that one too. Nice. All right, Josh Allen going from zero offers, right? Reedling Junior College, all that stuff too. I mean, you and I have our own opinions here in terms of who's the best player in the NFL, but I would assume that general consensus right now, if we did like the top 100 and we interviewed all the players and then they all submitted right here, I would assume that everybody would say this is the best player in the NFL right now. Like, is this proof that like the talent evaluation process, high school to college, college to pro is broken? And I know he was the seventh pick in the draft. And so you go, well, he's a top 10 pick. Yeah, but he wasn't the number one pick in the draft, right? So like, is this proof that like there's a flaw in it? Well, just from a, a high school to college perspective, I remember, do you remember the recruiting service, NCSA? Have you ever seen that? When yeah. they were all at the camp saying like, we'll get your kid offers, you know, we'll get your kids seen. And it was just kind of like a Ponzi scheme essentially where they were just taking money from these parents to get their kid offers. Kind of off subject, but a part of how the recruiting process is is flawed 
And I don't, I don't know if it's as much as the recruiting process is flawed, which I do think it is. So I am going to throw it deep on this one. But at the same time, it just shows you the amount of development that can be made from a kid from 16 or 17 to 22 or 23. Football in high school is so much different than football in college, which is so much different than football in the NFL. And you kind of got this interesting time period of four years where you can figure it out. Josh, community college, Wyoming, and he took two years in the NFL to figure it out too, right? Mm. He just had pants on him and he had a hell of a lot of talents coming out of college. So if you can kind of figure it out in those years, you can make up for what happens in high school and all that. So I'm still going to throw it deep saying it's flawed. You see this every year. Tons of kids. Some of the best players in the NFL are zero star, no star guys. Yeah, I'm throwing it deep. Um, I think way more is way more effort, resources, and money especially is spent from a, from, let's just talk about recruiting way more money and resources is spent on um, recruiting players that they think are stars. Not enough is spent on developing people once they get there and then finding diamonds in the rough. It is in the NFL because you got scouting departments, right? They go, Ooh, I love this guy. He's an undrafted rookie star. He's going to be great. Right? Like you experience that. Um, but not enough done on the development. And he's a guy that's proved he's gotten significantly more accurate from college to pro and really from year two to year three. And he went from like 56% to 70%. So the developmental phase is not, well, I mean, he's, he's already played college football. He's already developed. So he's either good, okay, or bad. It's like this guy's on pace for 61, 6,190 yards and 53 touchdowns in his fifth year. Like a lot can happen, but like that's the pace he's on, on bye week right now. Like, well, hold on. No offers out of high school. I understand if Bama passed, based off where he was as a high school player, but nobody saw the raw ability to be able to develop it. Man, I'm throwing it deep. I think the whole thing's flawed. Also, Fireball, California, less than 5,000 people. Tough to get exposure. The camps do help that. I was big in the camp circuits. The camp circuits get you exposure. So things like that do help kids. But like but that's the problem is with NIL, they're going to dump more money into trying to flip a kid than trying to find a kid. Right. Yeah, no, the, you're completely right. The recruiting, the money is being dumped into recruiting. It's not being dumped into finding a kid or developing a kid. So or I complete- 12 new squat racks in our weight room and thumb ID to get into the lock. Dumb shit. And it's not the on the development side. Don't hate on the thumb ID. I mean, the, the best is the eye scan. We got the eye scan. We don't need eye scans. What do you got that next? Was- All right. <laughs> next one. Tennessee. Huge win this week. Tennessee. Probably one of the best college football games I've ever watched. Tennessee is the best college football team in the country, Jordan. Mm, now, I called it. I went on the herd on Friday. I said, watch out. Hendon Hooker is going to position himself as a top pick in the upcoming draft and a legitimate Heisman contender. Not a finalist. A legitimate Heisman contender. I called that shit. But at the same time, I think Georgia is the best team in the country. I think from a defensive perspective, they lost like 13 starters on defense last year. I'm kidding. But like it was a lot. And they're somehow like better on defense this year. Uh, Great run game. And Stetson Bennett had to fill in for JT Daniels last year. So they had two quarterbacks last year that had figured out. Wasn't sure. Stetson Bennett is much better than he was last year. And he was damn good. Um, I still think right now the best team in college football is Georgia. I'm checking it down. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to throw it deep. I think just strictly off of the way Tennessee plays. I mean, there was no defense played in that game. But to beat it, the most points scored on Alabama since like 1906 or something crazy like that. 52 points. The way Tennessee's offense works, which is so much different than any offense I've seen. It's kind of giving me old Baylor vibes, but way more well-rounded. 
if you look at their offense, their receivers go like all the way out to the numbers. They stand on the numbers like and the numbers in college are so wide. Their line is super tight splits. So like the distance between the line and the receivers is crazy. All he does is fake play action. Every single play, he's either handing it to the running back or they're running down the field and the free safety has no chance. He has no chance. That receiver had six catches for 205 yards. I think this is a team that gives Georgia fits. I think Georgia knows this and they're probably scheming for this is the team we have to beat to get into the SEC championship, right? Play each other in two weeks, by the way. That's going to be probably the game of the year after the Tennessee-Alabama game. But I think this might be the team that does it. So I'm going to throw a deep on Tennessee being the best team. I like it. Um, a little fun little storyline in there. So Trent Dofer is the head coach at Litscombe Academy in Nashville, Tennessee. And Josh Heupel is the head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers um, in Knoxville, Tennessee. I think it's like two hours away. And years ago when Dofer was on Monday Night Football, he was talking about how Josh Heupel at Oklahoma at the time completely ruined a quarterback. I think it was Sam Bradford. And just undressed like Heupel. And his system and how it never works and how it college and all that stuff. It's really funny. I'm watching the storyline from afar right now because both these guys, Dilfer won a state championship last year. He's on his pace on his pace for a second. Josh Heupel at Tennessee right now just turned the program around. Poof, they're in the mix. Uh, funny little storyline for two guys that we both know. All right, last. Uh, Bailey Zappi, okay? He's going to beat the Bears this weekend. He's going to be 3-1 and one as a starter. And the Patriots won't go back to Mac Jones the next week when they play the Jets. You throwing that deep or checking down? Throwing that, I'm throwing that deep. Ooh. Throwing it pretty deep, too. Well, first off, many layers to this question. Bailey Zappi's going to beat the Bears. I'm throwing it very deep on that. It hurt my soul that we didn't beat the Bears this year. That was a that was a bad team. And you've seen it. You saw it on Thursday night this week. Um, I think they're going to steamroll the bears. I think the Patriots are in a really good spot. And this is very different than the Cooper rush and Dak Prescott thing, right? Mac Jones went to a pro bowl last year, played very well as a rookie, right? Got a lot of hype. I will say this. I don't think the pro bowl means as much as the all pro. The pro bowl is a popularity contest. Mm -hmm. Every it's off of fan votes. It's off of that. The all pro really means a lot. There's one at each position. All pro is really what it means. So if you want to look at something, look at the all pro list at the end of the year, not the pro bowl list. Bailey Zappi, if you look at the play, is Mac Jones. They're the same player. There's nothing different. Obviously, Mac Jones has played a lot more games. There's more experience, a little more savvy, things like that. But if there's anyone that's great about building a game plan around their players, it's Bill Belichick. And what he sees is he's Bailey Zappi is working. This is working for our team right now. We're putting up a lot of points. We're shutting teams out. And if there's any ever a coach in the league that's going to go to a new guy and not care about names it's bill belichick so strictly off of that i'm throwing it deep oh i can't believe you threw that one deep i'm checking that one down you can't go away from mac jones right now and i think the patriots they have done a lot with capitalizing on a successful player and dealing them uh when when tom brady tore his acl whatever year that was insert seventh round draft pick matt castle now, he went 11-5 and five that year, and they missed the playoffs because of whatever, how it went seeding-wise. They missed the playoffs. They went 11-5, and five, and he traded him for a second-round pick real quick to Kansas City. I think what you've got is you've had Brian Hoyer in the stable, then out of the stable, then in the stable, then out of the stable, then back in the stable. Um, and you've had this super reliable guy who can groom the young guy who can also back up Tom Brady. Um, Hoyer's probably at the end here. And you have a rookie who's got three years where you control his rights before he can even do anything. 
Um, and I think you can sit on Bailey Zappi and say, we've got somebody, even if they are the same guy. Now you, you, you said something that like Max played more games. I don't know if he has, he only started one year in college. I think he only played 14 games in college since high school, right? He was behind Tua. So like, I don't know Bailey Zappi's whole career, but I bet he's got more than 15 starts in college and a lower level. And I get it. But like, I, I think you're spot on. Like, I agree. Like they're the same thing. They represent the same thing. Um, they're protecting the football. They know how to find completions. This, this already has showed that like, this is not too big for them. Um, but yeah, I think you got to go back to Mac, even though you haven't committed to him the way that the Cowboys have committed to, to Dak. Uh, I think you got to go back to Mac and here I am just rhyming a bunch of things that end in the word act, but, um, but I love Bailey Zapp and, uh, I, I think they go, I think they go back to Mac. Um, and that's all the bars that I have for today, kids. That's interesting. I think it's crazy how you just compared Mac Jones to Tom Brady. Like that's such a hot take that we're just not even gonna talk about anymore. Mac All Jones right. is better than Tom Brady. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> no. All right, let's get into the interviews now. Some I'm really pumped about. We got two guys from a top ten matchup this week. UCLA, who's six and zero. Um, Oregon, who I think is six and one, five and one. Maybe they only have one loss. And we're gonna get an interview from both of their starting quarterbacks. Bo Nix is up first. Uh, dude has been at Auburn. Transferred to Oregon. Tough week against Georgia to start out the year on national television where everyone was like, this is the same Bo Nix turning the ball over. But you look at the stats, balling out, playing really good football. Um, DTR at UCLA, playing really good football, playing better football than he ever has played in his career. And a lot of people are taking notice. I think the thing I'm most excited about, talking to Bo and, and Dorian, I've been around both these guys since they were in high school, but like, they're both having the year they needed. Dorian really needed this year. He started multiple years. He's a high recruit. Things have not gone as planned. He has not lived up to the potential that he has in him because he's super freaking talented and he's a hard worker. He's a great dude. It hasn't panned out that way. It is absolutely panning out this way. Bo Nix at Auburn, multiple coordinators. His dad went there, all these things, like all this pressure, whatever. And it hasn't gone the way that he wanted. So far this year, it is. So these are two quarterbacks playing in a top 10 matchup. Two, both teams are top 10 who both are having the year that they needed to have. Uh, I'm fired up to talk to them about it. And then on Saturday, I'll be fired up to watch it. Um, and I, I just think this is what college football is about. All right. Welcome into the room from Eugene, Oregon. Feels weird to say that, but uh, Bo Nix, quarterback for the Ducks. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. How are y'all? Doing good, man. Appreciate you joining the room. Where are you at? Are you in your apartment right now in Eugene? Yeah, I live in a townhome in Eugene with uh, with my wife here. So um, moved in this summer when we got married. Uh, right when I moved to Eugene, I was in like one of those um, apartments close to campus, um, kind of by myself. And then now, obviously, with married life, had to move off and get wife settled in. Big dog, Mary. That's different. How do you like it compared to Auburn? Is it a lot different? You know, um, obviously, geographically, it's night and day. It's a lot different. Um, but at the end of the day, like I say this all the time, when you're in college football, you know, the locker room is very similar guys, yeah. like football players are going to be football players. Um, they're going to act a lot alike, um, going to be through, go down the same road a lot of the time, um, with recruitment and maybe a few transfers, whatever it may be. Um, but the football part has been, I mean, very, um, similar. I mean, football's football, but obviously outside of the meeting rooms outside of practice. Um, Eugene's a lot different from Auburn, Alabama. A little more hippie there, huh? Yeah, and it's not even um, 
Like, for example, when I say different, it's like the food. Like, food is night and day different. Like, there's no Chick-fil-A. There's no um, restaurants any, like... Not Eugene? in Eugene. There's one in Portland, which is two hours, but that's a long way to go. I haven't been to Portland very many times. Um, but just certain things like that um, is where it's different. And um, it rained a lot more this spring and winter um, than it does in the South. Uh, but actually, we've had a very, very nice summer and um, so far fall right now with the weather. It's funny. I went to the Nike campus for the Elite 11 for years. Um, and when, when you and I were together, Elite 11, that was in Dallas. But I went probably seven years in a row in July. And I've literally never been in Oregon and seen it rain. It was just something random. Like yeah. every time I'd go there, it was like sunny and beautiful. I'm like, I mean, I don't know what all these people were talking about. I mean, this well, is great. The summer, the summer, like I said, the summer was beautiful. Like it was hot, 80 degrees, 90 degrees. Um, I mean, really nice weather. Didn't really rain. Um, I think, honestly, this weekend, as we start getting into um, – starting talking to the game here. I think this weekend is what they call fall is going to happen where it's going to start raining and raining a lot. Yeah. Well, for those um, jumping into this, um, tell a little bit how we know each other. So what sophomore, junior year, high school? Um, we, well, to be honest with you, I met you a long time ago. You probably don't even remember this. Um, I was going to, he was either going into my freshman or sophomore year. I was at the um, Elite 11 camp in New Orleans, and you were one of the main guys rolling it that day. So um, I was around um, slinging it, but obviously I was young, so you had no idea who I was then. But then I remember, obviously, like you do, in Dallas at the Elite 11, that's when we kind of kicked it off and, and started um, to get to know each other. And, I mean, I was with you that whole entire camp, um, running your plays and we had a pretty good success. So, um, from then on, we just kind of always, um, I mean, been to several of your summits, several of your camps, um, gone out there and hung out with, with all your guys that you train. And that was always a blast being around the high school, junior high kids. Yeah. You've been an awesome, uh, awesome, uh, career to follow, man. Um, and we're going to get into some of the, some of your background and, and all that. Uh, but right now real quick, let's, let's get into a little bit of tape. Um, Jake's going to throw some stuff up here. Um, I think one of the things that's undeniable about your game has always been athleticism. I remember when your strength coach at Auburn told me that like your 10 yard split was like the fourth fastest on the team or something like that. I'm like, damn, in the SEC. Um, yeah. And so you probably already know what clip we're pulling up. Let it go, Jake. But I sure do. Um, Kyle, you know, if we're putting the show together, just saw this for the first time. And this is one of those like, uh, yep, that is super athletic. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Three, so four. T tell us a little bit about, like, obviously, you didn't predetermine so, this, but so right here, um, I'll give you a little background on the game. So, going into this game, um, it was at LSU, we hadn't beat them in 20 years at LSU, um, and it was a hostile game, like, they were a good team at this point. Um, we were a little bit like barely ranked as you can see 22nd had just come off a loss to Penn State and had just barely beaten Georgia State in a game to where I was benched so when you take all those into like all those factors into account we go into this game at LSU and there was a bunch of buzz like are you gonna be the starter are you gonna play all this kind of stuff I didn't even really like I didn't even know what was going to be the outcome I just knew I had to have a good week of practice and I had to go perform if my number was called so 
I got to start. I fortunately got to start the game. Um, had a few good first drives, but I knew TJ was going to go in for a drive. So I, that was already determined. So this was right when I got to come back in. Obviously, we're down 13-0 and have not scored. And we're late in the second um, quarter. So we had a long drive right here. Um, and it took us all the way down here to our fourth and two. And we had been repping this play for a few weeks. Um, we were going to uh, motion the tight end, get a, a pick screen with the um, Z down here, and we're going to throw the out route. Well, LSU did a great job of jumping it. They went over the top, played it, and then at that point, it's oh crap mode, um, make a play. Because worst case scenario, you get tackled, and it's, I mean, we were going for it anyway. So um, those guys, um, we're at LSU, those guys are pretty athletic. So a lot of guys moving around, like a lot of guys coming to make tackles. Um, and fortunately, I just kept my head on a swivel, returned back, went across the field. And my tight end, who was on the original out route, we completed it just a little bit further down, down the field for a touchdown. Gonna, so credit to him for keep running all the way across. I was going to ask you if that was your first read or not. It looked like your first read the whole way. Yeah, that, he was, he was the, he was the read. And then just turn it all the way back around. And, I mean, he did a great job of extending the play as well. Just don't take your eyes off of one. Don't you love that? How that just looked great during practice all week, right? Probably repped it three it's, or four times. Exactly. We repped it over and over. We had repped it week after week. And yeah. it was supposed to be there. Like, man, that's supposed to be wide open. But <laughs> we get said. there. And it's fourth and two. I'm, I'm like – I can't just force this on a fourth and two and not give myself like got to give ourselves a chance. Um, yeah. And so moving around, they they didn't get to tackle um, until there at the end when I ran out of space. But I mean, I saw him um, running right there in the end zone. And Tyler was my roommate um, at the oh. time, so um, me and Tyler best buds, and so I knew him um, pretty well. So knew he was going to be there for me. It's a hell of a play, and you got plays like this Thanks. all over, right? Like. Well, I appreciate Jordan, that. Yeah, from talking to Jordan, from seeing you, just watching you on Saturdays when we're traveling and going to games, you got plays like that all over your tape. But then we go to this year, right? You look at your stats this year. Mm -hmm. Let's pull up your stats right here, right? So you guys are 6-1 and one this year, 70% completion percentage, 1,500 yards, 20 total touchdowns. Your stats are great. Obviously, like week one, Georgia didn't go great, didn't go your way, and you've kind of quietly built up these stats. You look at these plays on your tape, making crazy plays, you're kind of becoming a more complete quarterback. Do you feel that way? And Absolutely. and what do you think you're working on to just make that a part of your game, not your whole game? Absolutely. Um, going into this year, it was important um, for me that I got comfortable within a system and played within um, the system. And so as you can see this year, um, a lot of those stats and numbers, I mean, those are just easy completions, getting the ball out to guys who can make plays, um, and then just stay within the system. You know, we do a good job of running the ball. So when you're, I mean, obviously, as you two know, when you run the ball, um, it takes some, like, you get third manageables, you get mm -hmm. um, less third downs, you get more first downs, you get to move the ball a little bit better. And so you're not, like, stuck at a third and ten to where you have to pass and everybody in the stadium knows you're having to throw. Nobody's good in that situation. So we've done a good job, a nice job of staying in rhythm and, and – allowing us to play in a system, um, allowing our receivers to play in a system. I mean, we do a good job of running plays that we're good at, um, and we just complete passes. And, and then we do a good job with our shot game of hitting the big ones. But then we have – I mean, we're great with check downs and um, running after the catch. Who do you watch in the league when you're trying to become that type of quarterback? You know, like I remember 
watching guys around the league. You know, obviously I've never made plays like you did, but I think quarterback play comes down to decision making, being on time, making the right decision over and over consistency and being good at the little things. And there's a lot of guys you can choose from, but I feel like you ask everybody, their answer is different. Who is it for you? Absolutely. Um, you know, to be honest with me, to, to be honest with you, it's changed a few times, um, but it's kind of the consistent guys. Like obviously Patrick Mahomes is escapability and his um, playmaking playmaking ability. I feel like I can do similar things. So without going rogue and staying in the system, also like to watch Aaron Rodgers and just what he does with the ball and his arm talent is extremely incredible. Um, I obviously nowhere close to his um, talent right now, but hopefully as I build, um, can start modeling my game kind of similar to his with his like flick of the wrist throws, his deep ball accuracy, like all that kind of stuff. He's just super savvy, very good yeah. quarterback. But then if you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, who is a system quarterback, accurate, he's going to do what he's supposed to do with the football. Um, he's going to make plays every once in a while with his legs and kind of extend things. Um, and so I think Joe does a great job of playing quarterback in the league because yeah. he's so smart and like, he's always efficient with the football. And if mm -hmm. you look at quarterbacks, the most efficient guys um, have the most success. And it's not even necessarily like, obviously, as, as you know, it's not necessarily stats and like go out there and throw five touchdowns a game. Maybe it's getting into four run checks that go for touchdowns yeah. in a game, which what happened against Arizona this past week uh, where we just crushed them running the ball and um, we got into good run plays. Like sometimes that, that's all it takes is just uh, finding hats and finding um, numbers and knowing where to run the ball. And that's just all about playing quarterback and, and fitting in a system. And Coach Dillingham has given me a great opportunity to fit in his system. Yeah, talk a little bit about Coach Dillingham. I mean, this is multiple offenses now. This is, you know, change of location. Um, like what kind of effect has that had on, on your own yeah. development? So I'll jumpstart it with this. Coach Dillingham was my OC my freshman year, but Coach um, Malzahn called the plays. So mm. there was a dynamic there that was like, yeah, he's the OC, but I didn't really get a chance to run his offense. And then my sophomore year, I had a different OC. My junior year, I had a different OC, different head coach. And then now with a different head coach and different OC, um, finally, it's Coach Dillingham calling the play. So I'm familiar with Coach Dillingham. Um, and we used to sit down and talk all the time football-wise. Um, and so now being able to play in his system, um, I've, I've loved every minute of it. Um, he just does a good job of having a system. We're going to be good at what we do. And we're going to have different wrinkles throughout the week to where a defense can't just scheme us up um, and, and kind of tee off on us. Um, so we do a good job of staying consistent with our plan. Um, we know who we are as an offense. So we know we're going to run the ball. We know we're going to take shots. We know we're going to um, take completions down the field. And those big plays will come off of that. So I've enjoyed being around him and learning from him. That's awesome, dude. Um, it's showing up. I mean, statistically, you just, you just seem more, more calm and, and more poised for a guy who's always had a lot of poise. I think you see it. Um, so we had Sean Clifford on last week, and I, I see some similarities here, um, not from from player, physical, or anything like that. But um, you know, Sean Clifford can get just crushed in the media, right? And everybody has an opinion, um, and then he'll rattle off a streak, and they'll get all of a sudden they're in the top ten, and then people go, "Yeah, well, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what we expect. We thought he could do that, you know what I mean?" And they kind of call a bandwagon, call whatever you want. Um, it, it is absolutely part of it. I, you know, I say this to guys like you when you were, you know, little Bo, 
Like when you sign up to play quarterback, you sign up for all of it, you know? Yep. Um, but you've, you've dealt with that uh, a lot. Uh, is that just like what we're getting? Is that what the you're in on the outside? Do you feel that? Have you felt that? What do you do with that? Where do you put that frustration, anger, resentment, whatever is caused by it? Like, what do you do with that? Uh, well, you know, I want to start with, I played Sean last year at Penn State and I saw him go like 29 for 32 um, with a lot of yards, like one of the best um, completion percentages against like a top team, like it, crazy. Like what he did that night was crazy. So I know the capabilities that he's got. I know the talent he has. And so it is unfortunate when um, like you have to go through the scrutiny because you play the position. And um, But, you know, I've been through my fair share. I've been through plenty um, of the downs um, to know that at the end of the day, you got to put your identity in something other than being a quarterback and other than playing football, other than being a football player in general. Um, I mean, if you put all your eggs into the football basket, um, you're going to lose them all eventually. So I am um, a faith-based person, so I go turn to Jesus Christ um, about as quickly as I can when things like that happen um, because I know that he can deal with that and he can carry the burdens that I don't have to carry. And then when you let go of that completely, you just feel lighter and you just feel better as a person completely. And sometimes it's hard because sometimes you want to do it on your own. Sometimes you feel like you can handle it all on your own. But then once you fully kind of just give it up, I mean, it just it feels so much better. And I've really learned that moving out here to Eugene, having a lot of independent time by myself, a lot of time to reflect. You know, at Auburn, I put so much on myself, um, probably more than I than I should have. Um, and it, it was tough cause I just wanted, wanted it so bad, um, for Auburn. I wanted to win, but at the end of the day here, it's all about just playing football, having fun, and then giving the rest to the Lord and, um, just having faith that he's going to take care of it. He's going to put you in the right situations. He'll take you out of situations that you don't need to be in. Um, so it's just all about following your heart there. And just at the end of the day, if there was one thing I could say is not putting your identity in football. Because once you throw three interceptions in a game, you're not going to want your identity to be in football anymore. Um, no, so if you if you hang your hat on something else, um, then it's just all about having fun at that point, and it's just uh, um, the experience. So I lean on Jesus um, as much as I can. Um, probably definitely don't do it enough um, and can't spend enough time with him in prayer and in the Word because it just takes you out of the um, – just the distractions and the noise and the negativity of it. And it allows you to see like, wow, I have this opportunity and this platform to have fun and just experience this and point people towards him and shine light on, on other people. Um, and then once you have that perspective, it, it it's just, um, it completely changes the person. It's changed me. That's tough to, a tough thing to learn when you're a young quarterback is mm-hmm. your identity not being in football. I don't even yeah. think you can understand it at a certain age. You right. know, you got to go some, some stuff to, to understand it. But I feel like once you understand that, your your play gets better too. You know, I think it reflects Absolutely. on the field. You know, it's just you, you come out there with a different mindset. Things change. You talked about a lot of your lows. Um, I don't know if this is a low for you. It was a low for me transferring. I think a lot of quarterbacks we've had on here so far have transferred, Jordan. I think. Yeah. And, and for context, Bo, Kyle was one of the top quarterbacks in the country coming out. You know what I mean? He was supposed to win the elite 11. You guys are in the exact same situation, supposed to win it. Somebody else ended up winning it, but picked the school that you wanted to go to 
yeah out of all of them who wanted you right and then he had to transfer to houston just so you have some context yeah so i mean even when i was at AM, I remember we ran on a hot street my sophomore year and I had guys saying next year after the season, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft, blah, blah, blah. And that's at a point in time where my identity was in football. So when that crumbled, a lot of my life crumbled too, to your point. But when we're going through it, I see a lot of similarities in, in yours and my stories with the transferring, but also a lot of differences because, you know, just from hearing from Jordan and from reading up on you, like when you went to Auburn, like you went to Auburn, your dad was the quarterback at Auburn. Like, Auburn was like your thing from when you were a kid. And I, I remember watching an Auburn game last year when they were showing the picture of you in the Auburn jersey when you were super young. Like mm-hmm. that was like who you were, especially talk about identity. That's probably who you were as a quarterback. And so when you transfer to Oregon, like, is it like harder because of that? Does that make it a ton harder to transfer because of all that? Absolutely. And when I tell you it was the hardest decision that I had to like make, like, that's real life stuff that you have to look in the mirror and say, you know what, if I want to do what I want to do in the future, if I want to get to where I want to get to, maybe just this situation isn't how I'm going to get there. Now, I loved Auburn. I loved my time there. Like if I went back and do it all over again, I would. But at the end of the day, like I had to make a decision for myself and I had to be selfish in that situation because at the end of the day, you do have to look out for yourself and you have to like, I mean, it's your life. You have to take the path that you feel like will get um, get you where you want to go. Um, or you'll just end up being kind of, you'll feel like you, you missed out or you feel like you could have done something else. And I wanted to live like my life to the fullest. Um, I gave Auburn an opportunity. I gave it a shot. It's something I always mm-hmm. wanted to do. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't work out. So... I could have forced it and done it all over again and probably nothing would have changed, to be honest yeah. with you. It would have been tough. It would have been hard. I mean, it had been the same old, same old. But um, instead, I just decided that it was best to move on um, and go start over and go do something else. And um, that's what I did. And I chose the almost the furthest place possible from um, Auburn <laughs> as you can go. Um, really un- unintentionally, but it's just where it landed. Um and I've I've loved it. I've loved every second being yeah. here. Um, I think it's there's something about like this locker room. It's made me feel like um, like a lot of young guys and a lot of guys that kind of need to be pointed in different directions. And I've been through a lot of stuff, positive and negative, and I just feel like I'm set up to kind of help those guys. And and so I just kind of have felt refreshed here um, at Oregon, being able to be around these guys that want to succeed so bad and. Um, you know, it's fun just to be a leader to them and just to be an older brother. If they want to talk about something that they wouldn't necessarily talk about with their, their family or somebody else. Um, you know, I've, I've had great sit down conversations with so many guys on so many different topics, um, that I would have never imagined, never guessed to ever have. Um, and not only, I hope it's changed their life, but it's changed mine just as much. And so it's given me a completely different perspective on life and I've loved it. Yeah. I think the word purpose comes to mind, right? Which is just the overlap of what you're great at and what you're passionate about. And and absolutely that can be quarterback, but that's too vague, right? Quarterback in one locker room could be the role you need to play might be different than the role you need to play in a different locker room, right? Kyle's on his third NFL team. I played on six. You're on your second college, right? And so you might play the same position. You might still be number 10, but 
uh, the role that you play and how you live into that purpose. And, and you're a very purpose driven guy. Uh, even since a young age, I think it was the way you raised, you were raised, you know, uh, just knowing Absolutely. you and your parents and your brother and everything. It's, um, it's not, you didn't just trip, fall and land on, you know, what you believe, right. It was, it was ingrained in you. And so, yeah. um, yeah, I think that's just a perfect example of that. And you may go to the NFL next after this year and, and be in a really hard situation for you to be yourself or a much better situation for you to be yourself. Uh, and that just, that's happened. That's kind of part of the journey and we'll get into journey at the end. Um, but let's shift some gears here. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to do something new here, right? We're going to interview DTR as well. And, uh, so we're going to play a little QB matchup game. We are going to ask you some questions. This is rapid fire. Okay. This is uh first thing that comes to your head. Cool. Quick answers, quick questions. We'll see. Um, we'll kind of see how you guys match up. All right. Go. You ready to rock? Don't overthink yep. it. You're going to be all right. Don't up. Don't overthink it. I'll Start us off, Kyle. I'll, I'll take these ones. You can take DTR later. Okay, Jordan. All right. Sounds good. All right. So just take a deep breath so you don't overthink it. Just... You're very well thought out, dude, from this interview. You've given very well. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, let's see where these go. All right. I'm ready. ready. All right. How many we got here? Got like six or seven here? Yeah. All right. Yeah. First one. Start off easy. What's your favorite movie? Dang. Favorite movie is... Probably Rocky, so like Rocky Four, Rocky Three, one of those. Which Rocky Four or Rocky Three? I'll go with Rocky Four. It's a great movie. Yeah. Classic. You've ever lose. Nice. I couldn't tell the difference between any of them, so I just. That's the to... Russian. You kind of right. got a little. You got a little. Uh, Russian. Draw, yeah, got some draw. Ivan Drago. Yeah. Heard it. Heard that nice man from Dolph um, Lundgren. From <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's one competition outside of football that? Your head coach, Dan Lanning, can beat Chip Kelly in? Uh, cornhole. Cornhole? It's respect. I could see that working well on the recruiting trail. Just roasting every high school kid that steps on campus. Yeah. It'd be a cool thing to be he, good at. He, yeah. he gets competitive, man. Extremely. Could, uh, could hurt some kids' egos, though. i got to be careful with that. Yeah, you do. you got to let them win every once in a while. Yeah, you got to let them win. Next one, what's your least favorite thing about Eugene? Is it that there's no Chick-fil-A there? Uh, the cold and rainy weather or the smoke. There's a bunch of smoke from the forest fires um, east of us, so the wind will blow it over. And, like, the whole afternoon, like, in the morning, it'll be foggy and, like, smoky, and it just it messes with you. Yeah, we get that in SoCal sometimes, too. It's nasty. Yeah. All right, yeah. what's the best restaurant you've been to in Eugene so far? Sabai. It's like a Thai cuisine. It's really good. Ooh, Thai food. <laughs> Getting crazy. Like Jack talk Thai, Jack talk Thai. Very and I'm well. not, I'm not like even a soup, like Thai is not even like something I love, but it was just like, we were told about it. And so we tried it and it's, I love it. It's delicious. Thai food's good. I don't know if this is got an Indian food spot right next to us. Is that similar? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's similar. Indian food, Thai food. It's yeah. got a kick to it. Yeah. Laguna Thai by the seas is the spot by the way in Laguna. All right. Go ahead though. Uh, what is the last show that you watched? Um, so I've been watching the chosen, which is, um, the first like biblical story TV show about Jesus. And like, it goes through his, um, it's I, ironic you asked that. Cause I literally just finished it, uh, finished season one last night because, um, it's incredible. Cause it's like everyone, when you read the Bible, it gives you a context, but when you watch how it could have been have, like context, 
personalities, situations, gives it a completely different like meaning and vibe to it. Um, so a completely different background. Um, and so I would really encourage people to watch The Chosen um, because you see it come to life. Like it's not just words written in the Bible. It's like actually you can see it and it's like passionate. It re- it's really cool. So, all right. What's the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the quarterback's name? Cam Rising. Gritty. Gritty. Well, mm-hmm. Great air. Uh, Caleb Williams. <laughs> um, athletic. Mm, okay. TTR. Super athletic, but I can't give him the same um, same word. So I'll say flashy. DTR is flashy. Tough. Flash. He is flashy. A lot of Instagram followers, TikTok followers. Yeah, too. flat. Like and like when you watch him play. Like he's flashy with the ball. You never know what he's going to do. He'll hurdle yeah. somebody. He'll run somebody over. He'll like does it all. All right. This is the last one. It's not, we're not going to let DTR do this because he's after you, but you got one question for DTR. What is it? Um, give me a second. Which of his five years have been the toughest in college? Mm, that's a great question. I like that. That's a good question. All right. That was good. That was, that was good answers. I was impressed. Yeah. You had your, yeah. had your uh, restaurant spot quick. I didn't know if you were going to have your restaurant spot. That really? Quick. I see. Yeah. That was good. The movie is the one I always have a hard time. And legitimately, if you asked me tomorrow, I might've said something completely different. Um, but that's the first one that came to mind because there's so many different kinds of movies to where it depends what mood I'm in for the favorite. Agree. And say the same. Um, all right, let's get into this last piece here. We call this the two minute drill. We're going to throw it to you. You got two minutes. We'll throw a clock up here and, um, love to share your journey, man. Just, uh, where you grew up family. This isn't just football, um, family life. Uh, it's kind of hard to summarize it, but just a little heads up before draft training, whenever that comes for you, you're going to want to have your story dialed in less than two minutes. So, uh, call this the first rep. Um, but yeah, start, it start your, your journey starts wherever you want it to start. Um, and then, uh, cross that goal line and it ends today where you sit right now, which is, you know, the week of number nine versus number 10 for positioning in the pack 12, uh, positioning for the postseason and, uh, all the draft stuff that comes with it and everything that's on the line right now with the monster matchup this week. So, uh, but it, you can start this thing off, uh, wherever you want. We'll hit mute. Tell us your journey, Bo Nix. So I was, when I was growing up, my dad was a um, college football coach. So he coached at several different places in the South, um, Georgia Tech, Miami, um, being a few that people would probably know. Um, but with that being said, I moved around a lot. So um, grew up in many different states and cities in the South. And so my parents, um, as we moved around, they did a great job of um, just instilling values in me and um, me and my siblings, all of us, we just, um, we knew exactly kind of who we were and um, kind of had those things to, to stand on. So I was born in Arkansas, moved to Atlanta, moved to Birmingham, moved to Miami, Florida. Um, then we moved back to Birmingham for a, for a year. And then we went to um, Charleston, South Carolina, and then that led us to, um, after that, we went to Scottsboro and then Scottsboro, Alabama, and then back to Birmingham where I graduated. So I was in Alabama a few times, 
um, but really a lot of different states throughout the South. So with that being said, um, I mean, growing up was different, but it was fun at the same time. I had a lot of different friends, um, a lot of different acquaintances. Um, and so that's what got me into football with my dad being a coach. He was my high school coach um, all five years. He let me start when I was in eighth grade, go from there. And then um, when I got old enough, um, started looking at colleges um, and decided to go to Auburn, follow my dreams and go there. And um, obviously it was on display for a lot of people to see um, the many ups and downs um, different things you get, you go through as a college player. But last year I broke my ankle, um, and that ended my season a little short. Um, and then I decided to transfer out here to Oregon. Um, and then this summer I got married, um, to Izzy and then we've been just living in Eugene and having a good time, um, and having a good season so far. That's so many States, dude. That's I know. unbelievable. When I got to college, it was my 10th different bedroom, like my 10th different city I, I lived in. Um, so now I'm at 11, all the way out here. Well, like, like Luke Del Rio's story. Oh, Luke Del yeah. over the place. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like 22 yeah, it's not as much as him. It's not as much as him, but Coach's kid, very similar. Um, I've spoken with him. I think it was at your, um, uh, your camp um, at some point. Um, we were just discussing and obviously had a lot in common with the coach's kid. That's great, man. That's an awesome story. Like the moving around, transferring, married in college. Also, yeah. uh, you met your wife at Auburn, right? And then you had to transfer. And so she moved I out. I did. Too. Yeah. So quick story. I met her and right when we got back from COVID, once everybody went home, we all got back to school and I met her that summer, went through my sophomore season, um, got to junior year and right before my junior year last summer, we got engaged. So we were just um, kind of dated for about a year and then we got engaged another year, got married last summer or this summer. Um, so I spent about six months out here in Eugene by myself and then we got married. She moved out here with me, um, found a job. She worked. She's she's enjoying Eugene as well and she's made a lot of friends. She's one of those people that can, I mean, you can put her anywhere and she'll make friends with anybody mm -hmm. um, and talk her, talk her way out of anything, any situation. That's awesome, man. Uh, proud of you, pumped for you. Uh, not the first big game you played in, but it's the next one, so it's the biggest one. Um, and uh, I'm really fired up to watch you on a big stage, man. Different stage, but a big stage. Uh, but I think you were born for it, man. So I'm, I'm fired up to watch you, watch you do your thing on Saturday. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks, bro. Good luck, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. DTR, a guy I have known for a while. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, you guys had a bye week last week, right? Yes, sir. Bye week heading yes, into did. a big game. That's as like good of a setup as you can get, yeah? I know, right? Um, well, let's talk a little bit. We, we've known each other for a minute, right? Met probably what? Sophomore, junior year? Something like that in high school? Yeah, yeah, around now. Mm -hmm. um, yes, sir. And ironically, coached you at the Elite 11 on my team, same thing with your opponent this week, Bo Nix. The year, the next year, um, we were together and uh, and then spent a lot of time in the last few off seasons, been around each other a bunch. Um, big fan and feel like been a big fan. Um, well, thanks for joining us, man. I've shared a little bit about what the room is and really just want to bring people into the conversation. I mean, quarterbacks are different, go through different stuff, talk about different stuff and have a different appreciation for life and everything it throws at you. But um 
But talk a little bit about right now, what, where are you at presently? Year, situation, what's on the line? Yeah, obviously uh, very, very satisfied, I would say, with, with where things are at um, midway through the season. Uh, we have a lot of things we can improve on, uh, a lot of things that we can hang our hats on as well. Um, but obviously sitting at 6-0 and is a pretty good feeling. Uh, just had our bye week, uh, amazing time. We handled it really well, really maturely. Um, and I think, uh, going into Oregon, uh, I feel really good. I feel at ease, I would say. So that's where, that's where life is right now. So, um, I've been around UCLA a little bit. Some of the coaches on your staff longer than others. Some people I've known recently. And then I got a lot of friends in the scouting community and the front office community who've come by and checked you out and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there's a specific narrative around you that I keep hearing. Um, I hear it from the staff at UCLA and I hear it in the scouting community and I've heard mm -hmm. multiple people describe you as the best, and this isn't even about UCLA, but the best football player on the team, not necessarily mm -hmm. the quarterback is the most important role. Or you're the best at your position, but the all around football player, you played defense, you played other positions. Like when you hear, let's just assume that that's coming from somebody who's it's a relevant source. Like, what do you yeah. what do you think of? Right. Most guys consider themselves quarterbacks, mm -hmm. but I think you're one of the true football players. Like, what, what do you think when you hear that? Uh, I, I'd say thank you. Um, I appreciate it. I take it as a compliment. Um, you know, that's something I hang my hat on ever since I was a little kid playing football. That's that's all I ever wanted to do um, is just go out there and have fun with the boys and uh, and play some backyard ball. So. Um, you know, quarterback's my position. It's the thing I always hang my hat on. Um, it's the thing I work at every day. Uh, it's the thing I, I try to perfect my craft at. And, um, you know, those opinions, like I said, I take as compliments, but um, I know I know what I'm true to and I'm true to quarterback. So, I mean, you know how I feel about it, but I mean, like, could you be playing at your level at other positions right now, <laughs> you think? Like if you like just real uh, talk, like, if you know, like yeah. I, know, I know how competitive you are. Yeah, like, for like sure. If you line up a corner, <laughs> are you one of the better corners in the Pac-12? <laughs> um, that's that's pretty high praise, but I, I definitely the competitor in me would definitely have to say yes. Um, I joke with it with my teammates all the time uh, that if we switch positions, I would definitely be way better at you at, at yours than you would be at mine. Um, but again, that's 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 for another conversation. So yeah, well, I'm glad the conversation's happening because. You're just backing me up on this. Um, you're having the best season. Um, really, I mean, since 05. What do you think it's gonna take? I mean, UCLA here, right? It, it's been a it's been a minute. And if I'm correct, 05, that's like Drew Olson. I mean, like this is like a long time since UCLA's been hot as you guys got it right now. What, what does it take? I know LA, but like, what's it take to fill that mm -hmm. place up? Like, what's it going to, what's, what's going to need to happen? Uh, more wins. Uh, everybody loves a winner. Um, they're, they're coming. I promise you it's getting more packed out each and every game. Uh, as the games get bigger, it's got to get more sold out. So like I said, we're not worried about that stuff. If we can continue to go uh, put in the work day in and day out and uh, come out on Saturday victorious. Uh, everybody and everybody will be chirping and hollering about us though. So. Yeah, I remember watching a couple of weeks ago when it was when it was really empty and I made a comment to somebody. I was like, that's like a weird advantage for UCLA because if you go into a game and you've already played in a stadium that's empty, 
I played at UTEP, so I played a couple of away games. Like I played at Rice, I played at Tulane at at, uh, at Louisiana Tech right after Katrina. So there was literally like 500 people mm-hmm. at a college football game, um, and it was like a weird advantage if you knew it coming into it. Um, but it's still a trip to see. And you were too little when SC and UCLA were both going at it, and they were both uh, really bad programs going at it. <laughs> like, like it was a meaningless game naturally. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I've seen that, but um, yeah, you guys are, you guys are building it. I saw on sports center. Um, you had an interview and, uh, and you talked about your, your habits, right. Getting behind your habits. Mm-hmm. Honestly, man, that's, that's what I focus on with quarterbacks. I use the word behaviors, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, getting behind your behaviors and building routines and behaviors um, I've made the comment that I don't think Tom Brady has ever out talented anybody, even in college. I just think he's been out behaving people for 20 plus years. Uh, you have certainly out talented people and will continue to out talent people. Talk a little bit about like, what is, what are, what are, what are some of your habits and what does that mean to you? What, how, how does that make you who you are? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can contribute most of that to coach Kelly. That's a big part of his process and his philosophy here, uh, UCLA. And so, um, like I said, just, just diving and, and believing in and really buying into what he's got going on in the program um, and the lessons and wisdom that he's trying to instill upon us. Uh, like I said, that's that's a part of his program. So um, some of the habits that I've, I've really taken to the next level, I would say my sleep, uh, raising that from going from six to eight, uh, eight to nine some nights um, and making sure I'm getting a well rest night so I can wake up the next morning fresh. I uh, wake up earlier now, uh, go to sleep um, earlier. Um, and so uh, I think that as well as eating, I got a, I got an NIL deal with uh, with Eat Naked LA through also services UCLA um, in our food department. So I get my own select meals uh, that fit my diet so I can keep up with my, my weight throughout the season. Um, and then really just my overall leadership and, and taking the growth that way with uh, bonding with my teammates, connecting with my teammates on and off the field, making sure I'm staying consistent with that, uh, sending out texts, sending out reminders, uh, trying to be a vocal leader that way, making sure that uh, everybody's always locked in at all times. So That's awesome, man. Do you, just curious, do you eat like your blood type or when you say the right meals for you, how do you make that decision? <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I have a fast metabolism, so I need a lot of carbs. Uh, I burn weight, I burn fat really fast, so... Um, trying to trying to put all that back in me and some because um, I'm also li- on the lighter side when it comes to being a quarterback. Uh, so trying to put on more weight throughout the season because uh, everybody knows when, you, when you're playing, uh, you start to lose weight because you're so focused on playing and you're not focused on all that um, weightlifting stuff like you do in the off season. So, uh, you know, like I said, just trying to keep up with my weight. How much do you weigh? Uh, right now, 200 pounds. All right. I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind. You know what Drew Brees played at his last four years in New Orleans? I I know it was Guess. low, but one ninety five, one eighty six, and Burrow right now. Close. You saw him. We were up there, or I was up there the day before the Super Bowl too. He's six four, two hundred. Mm-hmm. So this whole weight thing, I'm shaking it up. Everyone was yelling, getting trying to get Desmond Ritter to gain weight last year. I'm like, for what? Some of the best players. I bet you Brady's two hundred five. Um. So oh, yeah, for sure. So I, I think that's and that's that's one of the big things. Yeah, that's one of the big things my nutritionist talked about too. And uh it was just like whatever you're comfortable at, that's more that's the biggest thing is whatever you're comfortable playing at where you feel right at. So Yeah. It's getting your fighting weight as opposed to getting to a fight a different class. You know what I mean? It's like what's your fighting exactly. weight? Play at that. 
you know, everyone says you got to be a certain size. It's like, really? I'm looking around the league and I don't think so. These guys are all six one and a half, six two. <laughs> they used to be six five. So um exactly. interesting. Uh to be honest, man, I, I kinda dove head first into social two years ago. I mean, I've had social I've had Instagram and shit for as long as everybody else has too, but um I really dove into it the last two years and uh it's changed just my business and how I'm spending time. Here we are talking. Um but I think out of any quarterback in the country, you have what appears to be a plan and execution of a plan. Um, and it's not like goofy, you know, fucking around on TikTok or whatever. Like it, it's you. It's authentic. I've known you a long time. Um, you also have a look and and you lean into that. What what I mean, everybody wants to post shit on Instagram or whatever. But like, how do you approach this? Because it seems seems it seems more professional than other dudes your age and and talk a little about what motivates you to do some of the stuff you're doing on social yeah for sure uh my i think it attributes back to my parents uh when when facebook and everything first came out uh them being hard on me and being very strict on me with, with what i post and what i say and and let me know that it will affect me later on in the future and so um ever since then i've always been kind of uh watchful of what i post or what i say or, or kind of have a filter um, on social media. So I've always looked at it, I guess you could say more as a business approach, like you said, but, um, I definitely have, I've been more cautious with, with how I post and, and I, I'm always a, a charismatic dude. I like to, I like to express myself that way and, and posting different content and, and, and making sure my stuff looks nice and neat and, um, presenting myself that way. So, um, I think that's where you see most of the, the Instagram stuff from for sure. Let's dope. How much time in the off season? Like, are you, you you have a team? Are you working with somebody? Do you think about it in mm -hmm. advance? You just have somebody for deal flow. Like, how are you approaching that? Because it's not like in the past it would be like a waste of time because you're just posting shit on Instagram. But right now it's like, no, this is a business. So, like, what's your team? What's your plan? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, actually a unique and, and special opportunity for a lot of people. Um, so the way I do it, uh, you know, I obviously I work out a lot during the off season. Um, work out privately a lot, go to a different bunch of different places. Um, and so therefore there's a need to reach out on social media, start networking. Um, so a lot of people will, uh, will reach back out to me, uh, whether it's high school kids trying to shoot stuff, um, college people in the area, professional photographers in the area. Um, and they offer me their services. I pay them, uh, post them, tag them, share them, get them, uh, the extra support that they need. Um, and it's a fair trade that way. And, uh, it's, it's a win-win for both parties. So, um, that's the way I like to do my content. So that way it's more, more so a freestyle and not on a strict schedule or anything. And, and also I'm doing a good thing for other people too. So. And you do everything yourself? Yeah, I do. Um, sometimes I'll have them edit, but most of the time I just, I collect all the, all the raw files and then I, I piece it all up together or whatever it is. Okay. So you, you like creating content. Like I'm the opposite. I, I haven't posted anything on my own Instagram outside Instagram stories in 18 months. Um, you like creating it. Yeah. It's a, uh, it gets a little overwhelming at times. Obviously I got to focus on other things, but um, for sure, most of the time in my free time, I just like to get on my iPad or my computer and just start messing around with stuff, just seeing how stuff looks. So. That's dope. It's a hell of a lot more productive than playing video games or whatever. So, or just sitting there scrolling. I mean, <laughs> creating something on social yeah, as opposed exactly. to just scrolling through other people's shit. That's a way better way to do it for sure. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. I, 
I mean, I told you last off season, I'm like, whoever says it's a problem, that's fine. But lean into that thing, man. You got you got a career beyond this. So um, I think it's smart. I'm mad I didn't start it earlier. Um, and and like we talked to Max Brown a little bit ago, and and he's he's a big mm-hmm. fan of yours. And uh, but he was just talking about social and just how difficult things become when you're not the guy. That access, like when you, right now you're the guy, oh, yeah. but it, but at some point here you're not you're not the guy anymore at UCLA. You might be the guy somewhere else. You know what I mean at the next level, but you're not that guy. And and man, it changes. And I've been a current player, a former player, a current player again, a former player again, a current player again. A fo- you know what I mean? Kind of with the way my career went yeah, for sure. And it's a it's a totally different, um, totally different interaction. Um, all right, let's shift some gears here. We're gonna get to a little segment called Teach Tate. Jake's going to pull some some UCLA Bruins, just a play up right here. Nice, nice. And let's, let's talk a little bit of ball here. This was a big win. I would say probably the biggest win in recent years, right? I mean, I know LSU was big last year, mm-hmm. but um, definitely one of the biggest wins UCLA's had. Um, talk to me about this, this play. This is early in the game. What are you guys thinking? What are you looking for? Obviously, without giving away anything that's um, specific to what you guys do. Okay. So right here, we're in a one by three formation, um, running our plain old bread and butter, uh, left to right, pure progression play. Um, They do a good job matching the front side. Uh, So I start my progression uh, with the over. Uh, The safety bites down on it. It's a two on one on the safety. He bites down on his guy. Uh, And my outside receiver in Titus runs a really good route on the uh, post dig. And uh, threw it on time in the next window. Um, how, how much is pure progression versus uh, pre-snap look versus like progression plus an option? Um, like what mm-hmm. what what do you what do you like if it's a drive starter? What kind of stuff do you like? Um, you want to see it? You want to go away from rotation? Uh, I know you can do it all, and you've ran multiple offenses here. But um, how do you view that side of it? Yeah, for sure. Um, when it comes to a start of a game, I definitely go with a, a one high, two high read. Uh, let me go away from rotation, pick it pre-snap, uh, and go from there. Um, and you, but you guys still have a lot of pure progression or a lot of progression plus an option where I'm going one to two to three, or progression plus an option. I'm going one to two to three, but I, unless I get that quarters look, I like that post, or unless I get this guy one on one, I like him on that guy. Um, you guys have a pretty yeah, good for mix. Sure. We, yeah, yeah, we mix it all up. Coach Kelly does a great job game planning too. So, um, yeah, we, we we do a little bit of everything for sure. How how, how do you approach like running? And and I, I work with a lot of guys who mm-hmm. can run. And there's you know there's games when Josh Allen goes off, and there's games where he had zero carries. Sometimes that was the game plan going into it, and sometimes that's the way the game played out. Uh, I know you're you've grown into a pocket passer who can run. Um, but how do you think about if like, if it's weaponry, right? Like if you got a little like mm-hmm. arsenal here and throwing it is one thing, your deep ball is another thing, your quick release for your quick games, another thing, but running as a whole, like how, how do you view that as a, as a weapon in your arsenal? Yeah. I, I like to think of it as I'm, I'm sticking within the system and playing within the system. Um, you know, there's, there's not a, a play I need to make. Uh, I just need to, execute and make the play that's there and given uh and if that comes with the splash play uh so be it but that's not the the main focus on on each individual run play 
And so um, I think if I just stay within the system, the system will, will give me plenty and reward back. So on this play right here, rank this in terms of most fun plays. <laughs> it was to look back at how it ended up. The fact that these dudes ran into each other, like this had to be one of the ones where you're like, man, I want to yeah. see that shit on tape. Like this has got to be up there, right? <laughs> no, for sure. This is definitely top five. Um, the, the aftermath when I see it on TV, because uh, I really didn't get to peep it during game and live action. Uh, so to see it on TV uh, was definitely was definitely a funny moment for sure. My team, me and my teammates had a good laugh after this. That one must have felt good. And I just got to say this too. I'm just thinking like, so I grew up, I, I'm not a fan of any school. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I'm like kind of too connected mm-hmm. to too many different schools. I don't really give a shit. I care about the guys. You know what I mean? Um, but I did grow up going to USC games my entire life. I played for Rob Johnson's dad. He was the coach or he was the quarterback for four years. Then my brother, uh, I've been around SC my entire life. I don't dislike UCLA, but for some reason, since I was a kid, I have hated UCLA's uniforms. I hate the powder blue. I hate the color gold. I don't know. <laughs> I just grew up around SC. I just never liked it. You are the first no, yeah. player who I think actually makes that shit look good. So the, the <laughs> first time I've seen it where I'm like, mm, it's not, it's not bad. Um, I just, I, I don't even know what it is. I just, I don't even love SC's uniforms either. I just never liked UCLA's. Uh, and as we're watching that, I'm like, I remember watching that game live being like, Dorian makes us look all right. Um, well, cool. Let's appreciate shift. It, appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's shift game uh, gears here. So we're going to play a little QB matchup game. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. We interviewed Bo Nix already um, and a big matchup. If you guys did a couple throwing sessions together, you guys would be boys. You guys are great dudes, great athletes too. He's, he's a nasty athlete too. Um, but we're going to ask you guys, we're going to ask you a series of a couple quick questions. Take a deep breath. This is mm-hmm. nothing heavy, um, but this is uh quick response answers. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll start off easy. What's your favorite movie? Men in Black. Oh my God. That's a random answer. MIB's your yeah. favorite movie? Yes. Yes. Man, we're trying to do this quick. I'm not even supposed to respond to it. I just couldn't not. <laughs> Will Smith and that was was crazy. No, I, I I remember. I loved it. And Tommy Lee Jones and all of it. I have a little pug. Like That's honestly it's honestly the first one that came to my head. Like that's just kind of the default answer at this point, I think. Is this not the men in black dog right here? <laughs> this is my fifteen year old pug right here. PETA literally looks like the men in black pug. Yep. So, but man, that's a random answer. All right. Um, What is one competition outside of football that your head coach, Chip Kelly, Mm -hmm. would beat Dan Lanning in? I think I know the answer to Uh, What what are we talking about beating a man? Are we talking about any competition? What would Chip Kelly beat Dan Lanning in? Outside um, of football, ooh, and does does like chess count as a sport? It doesn't have to be a sport. Anything. Oh, oh, just competition. Oh, yeah, something like chess. Some, some intellectual. Okay, I figured you'd say chess because no, we both because Seth Mikowski. I figured that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, thought that'd be the answer. Uh, least favorite thing about Westwood. Ooh, uh, traffic, uh, and traffic hour. Yep, I can see that. Uh, best restaurant around campus doesn't have to be that close. Just best Ooh. best restaurant. Uh, for me, I'm a sushi guy, so the room sushi bar 
on Westwood Boulevard. The Room Sushi Bar. I need to peep that. What is the last show you watched? Ah, uh, uh, like a like a season I don't know if of. I want to say it. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I want to say it. It just came out on Netflix. It's called Dated and Related. Dated and Related. It. It's it's, re- it's reality TV. I'm telling. Oh, don't you. apologize to me on reality TV shit. I'm a reality TV. Sh- yeah. Don't, okay, I'm checking. Dated and what is it? Dated and related. Dated and related. It's good. Uh, that's that sounds interesting. Um, <laughs> um, the first word that comes to your mind when you hear these quarterbacks' names. All right, mm-hmm. Cam Rising. Ooh, consistent. I like it. Caleb Williams. Uh, flashy. Interesting. Uh, Bo Nix. Uh, elusive. I like it. All right. Now, this is a question we were talking to, to Bo Nix earlier of a question that he had for you, which is which of your five years was the toughest and why? You guys that both have similar deals, big time recruit, some high yeah. highs and some low lows. He's not a second school, but still like you guys caught fire here at the end. Um, I, I'm curious that answer, too. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, my second year, the sophomore blues, um, you know, I was definitely pressing, trying to be Superman, trying way too hard. uh, And it all just kept falling back into my lap. Um, And, you know, I I felt like I couldn't even play football anymore at that point. You know, I was fumbling left and right, throwing interceptions. Um, And and luckily – uh, COVID happened the next year and I got to, was able to find myself, uh, really work on my craft and, and really get back to playing my style of play. Um, so yeah, I, I think my sophomore year was definitely my toughest out of all of them. Yeah. That's cool. True. Um, all right, let's get into the last thing here. It's called the two minute drill. Um, I'm going to throw it to you, man. Um, I'm familiar with your journey. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. Um, and, uh, give you the floor to, Kind of share. We'll put a little ticker up here. You got two minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd love to start this thing wherever you want to start it. It ends where you're at right now. Uh, you're always your guy who's always been very present. Um, and uh, so curious to hear how you lay out really the Dorian Thompson Robinson story from wherever it started to today. So uh, I'll fast forward uh, and start my journey when I was in high school as a freshman. I get there with all the boys that I've been playing youth football with uh, in the neighborhoods and all of us coming together and going to a private school um, and getting to play football one last time with each other before we go out to college and trying to make it that way. Uh, So freshman year, I'm on the freshman team. Everybody at Gorman, you have to be a freshman uh, and and play on the freshman team. And so uh, that was amazing. We, we, we lost one game. Um, won the little freshman championship in Nevada or whatever it is. Um, and, and that was great. We got, uh, there was three freshmen, me, Brevin Jordan and Polly EA got to that went to Ohio state, um, who got moved up to varsity and was able to do that. And so we, we went through varsity. I didn't play until my senior year of high school. Um, I was sitting on the bench behind Tate Martell. Uh, and then my senior year, I blow up, get all these offers, um, and ended up picking UCLA. Now, getting there as a freshman, they bring in a six-year. Uh, he ends up playing, gets hurt, and Wilton Spate 
and I get thrust into action. Um, we end up going three and nine, four and eight the next year. COVID happens. Um, I get into a deal with COVID and, and then last year we're four or eight and four, um, and really striving. And now I'm back for this year, uh, on my little revenge tour, you can say. And, uh, you know, I'm having a blast. We're six and zero oh, halfway through the year. And, uh, you know, the one word I'd like to, to use for this year is flourishing. Um, I'm a big fan of the butterfly. And so uh, I think that's what this team, uh, that includes myself, are doing this year. So, Well, you guys might be uh, coming out of the cocoon as butterflies, but, man, you've been on top, and then you've had some tough <laughs> years. So I see you as more of a phoenix, man, kind of rising from, from where you, uh, where <laughs> yeah, you saw yourself sure. being. I remember talking to the 11 of where you, where you thought you'd be and, and how you thought this was going to go. And I, I've had that conversation with a lot of top recruits in the country and very rarely does it go exactly the way that you think it's going to go coming out of high school when everybody's on you. Um, but man, you have weathered it. Um, one of my favorite dudes I've been around, one of the best football players in the country and one of the best quarterbacks in the country leading a team who's got a chance to, to, to run this table, man. So um, we've been talking to people every week. Uh, I'm absolutely one of your biggest fans, man, and have been. So I'm fired up to to see you getting what what you've been working your ass off for years to uh, to get, and uh, at the same time, and there's a lot of fo football left this season, so excited to watch what you do with it, man. Uh, thanks for joining, man. I really appreciate you taking some time on uh, on a massive week. No, thank you, JP. It was a, it was a pleasure being here. This was fun. So, all right, man. Thank you. That was a fun show. Um, I can't wait to see how this comes together with both both interviews, and we both got to sit down with Bo. Um, unfortunately scheduling conflict, I'll sit down with DTR solo. Um, but, uh, you know, moment of gratitude, Kyle, you're on bye week right now. I think I have an idea, but what are you grateful for? Um, grateful for some chill time. Grateful for bye weeks kind of early this year though, man. Bye week was week six for us. We got 12 weeks left in the season, but, yeah, early. uh, it's early, right? I never had one that early before, but I'm grateful just for some time to step away from the game and just, you know, relax connect with some family, talk to some people I haven't talked to in a while, get to spend time with uh, my fiance um, and just chill. But honestly, grateful to watch a ton of ball. Uh, by week, one of my favorite things ever on bye week is to sit on my ass on Sunday and turn on NFL football for 10 hours. And I feel like the rest of America. So I'm grateful for that. What's, what's up with you? Um, I am grateful for um, just my wife. I know this is going to be cheesy, but like, we have a kid coming up here in a couple of weeks, baby number three. And it's just like, it makes, I have two kids, so you're in it. But like, I remember, like, it, it reminds me just like how difficult that entire process is. And so the miracle of life, people can say the miracle of life and then they have kids and then they have like, no, it's like, it's a freaking miracle. It's just insane how this works. Um, and so just really grateful for that and the opportunity to have another kid. And, um, you know, by the time we're going to do a couple more episodes here and then I'm going to be grateful for the new babies. But right now I'm grateful for the, uh, the miracle of life, but also want to, want to shout out somebody here, um, and talk about another thing I'm grateful for. Uh, something popped on my radar that Andy Bark, uh, a guy that's a mutual friend of ours, massive role in my life, massive mentor is up. He's winning an award. Uh, he's been honored at his alma mater in Cal, um, but I, I just, this guy's never, ever gotten the credit he deserves. Andy Bark created a company called Student Sports that ultimately created the Elite 11 area code baseball as well. But Elite 11 that completely changed my life 
I filled up water cups and shag balls as a sixth grader at it. I have not missed one in the last 25 years. It's where I met you. It's where I met fill in the blank on like literally 40 different dudes that I've trained. Um, and so I'm grateful for the role that Andy Bark played in my life uh, and his family, um, his kids, his wife, uh, Brian Stumpf, who's I know have been an integral part of your career um, and the staff around it. So that that's one another thing I'm I'm really grateful for. Yeah, just Elite 11 in general. Like, think about the guys that I know in the league right now, the guys that know each other through Elite 11. We, we go back and, and look at, you know, we were talking about who was in your Elite 11 class. Like me and Davis Mills the other day, we're talking about who was in your class at Elite 11? Who won Elite 11? You go back to those memories because it's it's truly, a, it's a brotherhood. It's it's a fraternity. It's, you. everyone is together. And especially at the quarterback position, like, it brings all these guys together. I remember my year was Deshaun Watson. It's Luke Rebenzer, who's my best friend growing up. It's Will Greer, who I ended up playing with in Carolina and so many other guys, Patrick Mahomes. And you see like, oh, this is different, but Nigu, the the charity that sponsors um, Elite 11, look at any of your favorite quarterbacks around the league. I promise you half of them are wearing this Nigu wristband from Elite 11. So shout out to Andy Bark. Um, shout out to Brian Stump, Elite 11 Student Sports. An awesome organization that's changed my life too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's where I met Bo Nix and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, our two guests on this week's show, and it's where I met your ass, too. So shout out to Andy Bark and Cal for honoring him. Uh, that's it, episode 10. Thank you so much. Um, follow us, like, subscribe, share this. If you think this is interesting, you think your high school coach would love this, you think your buddy would love this, you think your parents would love this, send it around. My mom loves it, for whatever that's worth. She gives me comments after all the shows. Shout out to Dana Palmer. Um, they had no negative reviews on the show, which is crazy. Yeah, none. So none. people who are watching it are digging it. Uh, so share it. Thanks a lot. Kyle, enjoy the last couple of days of bye week. See you next week. Peace.